We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, we're reviewing some stuff, more stuff from the past week. That's what we do on this show. Answer your DFS strategy questions. I see you in the YouTube chat. Uh, Josh Duck, Ruben David, you beat you beat out Suki Singh for being the first uh, first good morning. Typically, it's Su- Suki in there first, or Anthony Golding. A lot of times, he's 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 the first one here. See you guys. Good morning, Eric Hillpold, uh, card fan, Joe Mack, Doug Montgomery, who says, uh, I've been living on sabbatical for two weeks. So glad to be back. I was diagnosed with BWS, which is Blender Withdrawal Syndrome. Okay. Oh, you know how to fix Blender Withdrawal Syndrome? By clicking on those thummy thumbs. Give me some thummy thumbs in the morning on your way in the door. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. 
Uh, but uh, yesterday's showdown slate, is there anything that much to talk about? I mean, I mean, it was a good game, right? I mean, the, the, the Ravens came back, right? And it looked like in the beginning, by the first half, it's like, I don't think Lamar is going to be in the optimal lineup. And then at the end, he's in the optimal lineup, not the optimal captain. But uh, you had, if you have Jonathan Taylor, if you had Taylor, you had Lamar, you had Andrews, Marquise Brown eventually got there, right? Right. So, uh, and, and if you had Marlon Mack, apparently got, got enough, he got enough work. He got work on like two different drives, but I mean, he got enough yards. He got like six points and ended up in the optimal lineup. So uh, if, you, if you played that, yeah, you did, you did very good. You did very good yesterday in showdown, but still, still uh, reviewing the, the, the Sunday slate. And uh, just to, just to, just to show you like what I look through when I, re- when I review, Right when I review, what what did other people do? What did I do? What should I be looking at? How do how do I review the first first few weeks of the season? Right, right. We've been we've played for five weeks. Right, it's been five. Right, yeah, five. Right, not four. It's been five. Just looking through. So I I mean I, I bring up like this past week on Sunday. I I made a little little less than seven hundred bucks, which which ain't much. Four point one three percent ROI. I'm just bringing this up in Roto Tracker. I updated this yesterday, uh, just just to show you, just to show you my split or whatever, like in the categories. I mean, it was mostly in cash games, right? I played on on played uh, DraftKings. I played GPPs and cash, and FanDuel. I just play cash games, so that's why you see. Obviously, when you see the ITM seventy percent, that's not GPP. You're not getting in the money that often. So, but I played multiple slates. So I play the early, I play the late, I play you know, I play multiple main i play t and DraftKings. i'll play tiers right whatever tiers playmakers it was really easy this week uh in the playmakers one i don't know i should i should have devoted more my bankroll to that i mean just so, some of the choices in tiers like one guy projected like six points higher than everyone else and if you just didn't play them you're dead right there were a lot, a lot of ties obviously but uh if i doubled up and everything swept head to heads uh if it unless it was tied but I mean, looking through this, just to, just to show you. So category-wise, I mean, yeah, you make money. This this is why I play cash games, right? Lost money, lost 56% in, in GPPs, but made it up in, in, in cash, right? As much as I can, right? So six, $639 in head-to-heads, won 59% of them. I, w- I would have won more if Daniel Jones didn't get injured, right? Getting me a little bit more points. And then double-ups, I cashed in 80% of them. So just to show like on a week to week basis, like, like I'm not, I'm not playing cash necessarily to like, that's, that's where the bulk of my money is coming from. No cash is kind of subsidizing my GPP play. We can see here for the course of the, of the year in classic slates, not counting showdown uh, on the year threat. I'm down uh, 3,200 down 4%. And it's the same type of thing. If we look at the categories, like I'm plot, I'm ahead in cash games, double ups and head to heads, but down 27% in GPPs, which is, which is normal. It's normal. I mean, the whole point of you playing the whole, the whole season or whatever, right? You're going to lose, you're going to lose a little 20, you know, 20 to 30% to slate until, until you win, you win big on one, you win it, you, you know, you're done, right? So you're just using cash games kind of to, to keep yourself afloat while that happens that, that or, or smooth out those little, you know, the downswings instead of, you know, going down like this, playing GPPs, you kind of go down like that. 
and just to show the graphs, like finishing position wise for the first five weeks, like essentially, like I'm not getting enough in the top one percent. I mean, they're come they're basically coming in the in the two to to seven percent range. Like I'm getting enough here. I'm getting enough in like like then I'm not like I'm losing twenty seven percent, right? But I'm not losing forty. I'm not losing forty five percent. Obviously, this past week was Chalk City, so I'm like I'm. I, I wasn't I wasn't gonna win I wasn't gonna get top one percent lineups uh, most likely uh, uh, this past week, but just this this is the type of stuff that I'm, I'm looking at now. This is obviously a five week five slate sample size. This finishing positions. I mean, look, we're not talking about that many entries, but it's something to look at, right? So if you look if you look at the profit graph, or if we take out, let me go to the other one, right? Let me go to the graphs here, right? So if we go, but the graph here, it shows, you know, I'm down, what, 32.49 overall. But if we split it out by category, right, essentially, this, this gray line is GPPs, and this blue and green is cash games. Obviously, second week, right, or this first, uh, the first week did poorly. Right, you can see here, like, the first week of the season, I was down what, twenty two fifty eight in head to heads, thirty five twenty eight in double ups, and then four fifty four. Actually, you know, almost broke even in GPPs, and then, then cash games. You move up over here, then you move up over here, right? So I ended up making money here, make losing a little there, making money there. And then making a little bit of money there. So little by little, using the cash games to subsidize the GPPs. Now, if I didn't have on the first week that big of a loss in cash, then I would I would have a lot more money. I would have, you know, the GPPs would still be down there, but I'd be I'd be up another, you know, probably I'd be up, you know, three, four thousand bucks instead. Right? That's all one bad week, one bad week in cash kind of just does that to you. But just this is this is tracking your results, okay? Keeping yourself accountable to some regard. I mean, this is only five weeks, but you should be doing this over the course of your of your your whole DFS career that you're playing. Now, if we go to showdown, showdown, showdown is just you lose money. I mean, showdown is essentially it's a losing proposition until you bake. I mean, so you you put in five hundred bucks into showdown, you almost you almost not minus 80% on a slate is like almost normal sometimes if you don't have the nuts. So, so, so judging your showdown in combination with your classic slates, I don't think, I don't think is useful. So if you're playing showdown, the large field GPPs for showdown, you should do view that separately. Okay. And, and in showdown, the top 1% of lineups, I don't even know if that matters that much showdown, essentially you're playing as if it's a winner take all. So you're going to just lose, 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 lose until you win, okay? And, it sh and it, that shows. I'll bring up my, I'll get another Roto Tracker screen. Now, the thing is, like, lifetime, like, this is going to be hard because they changed, it used to be called Captain Showdown, and then it changed to Showdown Captain Mode. So if I go, if I go to my graphs, like, here's my lifetime. So this looks good, right? Half a million bucks. So if I go to style, like it used to be called showdown 
And then they change it to showdown captain, but they're not combined. So if I go to showdown here and add it, I should, I should, I believe I get one of my like $50,000 wins, I believe. Or maybe not. So when was this, when was this done? So this is between, so this is 2020. So what showdown is this? Is this NBA showdown? Is this 2009? Like this, this is what I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why some of this is in showdown and some of this is in showdown captain. Let's do showdown captain. Right, and so I don't have anything in here. Showdown captain, showdown. I have no idea. What am I even looking at? By sight. So I should have wins in here. Do, do, do. <laughs> now, now I'm I'm even confused. General style. Showdown. Well, I have no idea. I don't know where I where where do I find it? Where where am I? Well, seriously, if I I mean if I go to my my full results. Like I have, I have five-figure showdown ones. Do, do, do. Maybe it's called something else. Thursday night, right? Like here's Thursday night showdown, 250 to first. Where is this? In the graph. What, what? Thursday night show, do I have to just type in showdown? I have no idea. Maybe, maybe I'll try that. Let's let's see. I'm gonna troubleshooting here. So it should be it should be in here somewhere, right? I mean, if I take this out, let me go to general and just type in showdown. Do all the showdowns are named showdowns? Okay, this the, okay this is much better, right? Okay, so there you go. So this is what a showdown graph should kind of look like, right? And this is still missing one, and I'm still I'm still missing a bink in here somehow. Right, there's one showdown. It was it was for the Super Bowl. That's not in here. But this is kind of what showdown looks like. You're just gonna constantly bleed money, kind of, right? Bleed, 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 and then it's just gonna be one big spike. I mean, that's how GPPs are in general. So I mean, if we just we just did my GPP graph, like this this graph. I mean, this graph is still a lot of GPP as it is. We just do GPP. Category GPP, let's see. And it should look pretty much, I mean, it looks pretty much the same. All right, cash just smooths everything out. I just don't like, the one thing that I would love for them to do in Rototracker is the ability to combine categories together. So they always, they have category for like double ups and then they have a category for head to heads. It's like I I want like I want I want to have combined and make it my cash game category where I could I could combine whatever I want into one like custom category, so I could combine head to heads, double ups, and triple ups, 
and quintuple ups or something like together as one category. So I'm not just looking at, well, what's my head to heads and what's my double ups? Because then you can't get a graph of like your cash game graph. It's like separate, unless you just play specifically all of one or all of the other. We're just going through rototracker.com. You could, you could get it there. Uh, obviously, once you get past a certain amount of entries in your CSP, you're going to have to pay for it. But to me, it's the best tool to just keep track of what you're doing. Now, you can create something in Excel yourself to, you know, but you're not going to get all these fancy graphs and segmentations and change and check your head-to-head opponents and do everything like that. So if you want to go to Rototracker, this is, this is what I do. And I upload, and you can see in my uploads, I upload, you know, every month, two weeks, right? Something like that. Yahoo, FanDuel. There's an extension that does your FanDuel automatically. So there. So just show off how you track your results in DFS. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, let's see. Doug Montgomery, can you go through your setting up your player groups again, please? I know you've probably done it ad nauseum, but need help. I go through player group. What 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 player groups do you need, Doug? It depends on your lineups. Player groups that I had here was I wasn't playing two running backs together from the same game. But these aren't hard. I mean, I mean, these are what what groups do you need? Do you want to play Barkley and Elliott together? If your answer is yes, then you don't need to have this. So I put two people in a group and I say players to use minimum zero, maximum one. It's the default setting. So there you go. That's a group. Lamb and Cooper when Prescott is in the lineup. The best thing to, go, to do is go team by team. You go team by team. For instance, we look in the player pool. Like, let's go to the, the Giants, the Giants, uh, Cowboys game, for instance. So we go team by team. What do I have in here? Maybe we don't even go into that. Let's go. So we go to, go to Dallas, for instance. Okay. So these are the players that I have from Dallas in my player pool. I also have Dak Prescott because I'm stacking them. Now my stacks settings are here, right? So I know who I'm stacking, what teams, what combinations. You know, I'm doing one plus three plus one, two plus one. Two plus three plus zero and two plus zero, which is not barely any of those. Okay, so now I look at now I look at the player pool and I go, okay, I have Dallas in all of those configurations. So if I play Dak Prescott, I'm more like I'm more likely to play Dak Prescott in a double stack than a single stack. So if I play him in a double stack, I, I'm not playing him with running backs. That's already in my stack setting. So if I were to play two receivers, I don't mind Lamb and Cooper together. I don't mind Lamb and Schultz together. I don't mind Cooper and Schultz together. So there's no need to make a group for that, for anything like that. Now, if I play a skinny stack with Dak, that means only one receiver. Would I, which, what would I prefer? Would I prefer Dak stack with Lamb? Dak stack with Cooper? Or Dak stack with Schultz? Well, most probably it's going to be Lamb or Cooper and not just Schultz as the tight end part. 
So being that maybe I personally don't want a single stack of Dak with a run back. Dak Schultz. Maybe you want those types of lineups. That's perfectly fine. I didn't. So in the player groups, I have to go in and say, if Dak is in the lineup, which is what a conditional player is in lineup HQ. So I'm using Dak as a conditional player, right? I could, I would type in Dak's name there. And then I put in Lamb and Cooper into the group and minimum one, maximum two. So no matter, as long as Dak is in the lineup, it has to have at least one of Lamb or Cooper, which means in those lineups that are being generated that Dak only has one pass catcher with him, it can't be Schultz. Because I'm forcing in, it has to be one of Lamb or Cooper in there. Now when double stack Schultz can come come up, right? So I'm just saying at least one player. If I set this at two, use exactly two players, I'd never get Schultz at all, except as a one-off in other lines. Because I'm saying in the Dak double stacks, minimum two of these both two, Schultz would never appear. So I'm going team by team and I'm doing this type of stuff. Just looking and go, okay, like, okay, let's go, go to another team that I, that I have as a, as a stack, right? I go here and I go, I got, uh, I got, let's see. I go to Carolina. I go, okay, same situation. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Do I mind them as a double stack? Sure, give them to me as a double stack. Do I mind each of them individually as a single stack? That's perfectly fine. Darnold Anderson, that, that's fine with me also. Is there a need to make a group here? No. Am I playing? What? Who on Philadelphia am I playing? Devonta Smith, Zach Ertz. Okay, I'm not playing Jalen Hurts in my pool. So basically, Devonta Smith and Zach Ertz will be being used as a run back in Darnold stacks or as one-offs. So there's no need to make a group here at all. Most, for some odd reason, you don't want to force something in. That's fine. You can make a group. You could say, if you could say, let's say you want to make sure, let's say, I'm not saying that you need to do this. It's up to you. Let's say you wanted to make sure that in that any time that you have a run back in your Darnold stacks, you want it to be Devonta Smith, right? You don't want it to be Zach Ertz as the run back. You don't mind Zach Ertz as a single guy in another lineup, some punt tight end somewhere, right? You don't mind that. But you're like, if I make Darnold plus Anderson plus more, the run back is Devonta Smith. Let's say you did want to do that, right? I didn't. I didn't need to. I didn't mind Ertz as one. If I didn't mind both of them, I don't have to make any group because it's like, it'll either be Smith or it'll, or it'll be Ertz. But if you're like, I don't want it to be Ertz and I want it to be Smith, you could do this in one of two ways, okay? So for Smith and Ertz. So what you could do in a player group, I'm going to give an example. So I'm going to create a new group. You could simply do this and go, if Darnold is in the lineup, you put Ertz here, and you set the, the min-max to zero zero. So if Sam Darnold, the quarterback, is in the lineup, Use exactly zero of these players, and that's Zach Ertz. Which means that anytime it's going to going to put in a run back in a Sam Darnold stack, it has to be Devonta Smith, right? 
You could also do it this way. You could do it that you, let's say you only want Devonta Smith if he's a run back, right? You don't want him as a one-off. You don't want Devonta Smith, you know, as some one player somewhere in some lineup. You just like, I'm, I'm playing Devonta Smith, but only as a run back in Darlow's stacks. Well, how would you set that up? Okay. What you would do is now you'd use Devonta Smith as the conditional player and you'd put Sam Darnold in the group, right? And you say, if Devonta Smith is in the lineup, you have to use Sam Darnold, right? A lot of people try doing it the other way around because if you did it the other way around, let's say, let's say you did it this way. A lot of people make the mistake they think in the other direction. They go, well, in Sam Darnold stacks, I want to make sure that uh, that Devonta Smith is, is the one-off always. Well, that also means that in all your Darnold stacks, Devonta's, how about what happens if you have Darnold without any run back? Like it'll, for, basically it'll force Devonta Smith into literally all of your Carolina stacks. But if you, and, and this also won't limit Devonta Smith to appear as a one-off elsewhere. All you're saying is that in Sam Darnold lineups, Devonta Smith must be there. You're not saying anything about him being in anywhere anywhere else. So you do it the other direction. You do Devonta Smith as the conditional player, put Darnold there. So this is saying, if Devonta Smith is in the lineup, Sam Darnold must be there. Okay? So are you going to find a Devonta Smith lineup in a Tom Brady stack? No, you can't. It's a quarterback. Right, so Devonta Smith cannot be used as a as a one off anywhere else. That's if you wanted to do that. I didn't have that set up, but I mean, if you wanted to, that's how you that's how you'd set up your group. Most of my groups are like this. Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence is in the lineup, make sure one of two or two of Marvin Jones and Lavisca Chenault are in there. I'm doing that primarily so I don't get Trevor Lawrence plus Dan Arnold single stack. A lot of times I'm doing this to make sure one of the top wide receivers is being paired with my quarterback. So I don't end up with like garbage tight end or third wide receiver single stacks. If I happen to have them in my lineup, like here's Tom Brady. If Tom Brady's in the lineup, conditional player, use one to two of Godwin Evans round. Cause I have Cameron Brady. Cause I have Cameron Brady in my pool. So I don't want Brady Brate lineups. I want Brady Brown Brate. I want Brady Evans Brate. I want Brady Godwin Brate. I want Brady Godwin Evans. I want Brady Godwin Brown. I want Brady Evans Brown. But I don't want Brady Brate. I don't want just that single. So that's what I set up this because I have three receivers. If you wanted to make sure that you didn't get Brate at all and you go, I've at least two of these players, then you don't have to, then there you go. That's the line types of lineups you want to make and make sure. And then you, let's say if I didn't have Brate in my pool, that I wouldn't even have to make this group at all. Right. Cause I just have these three wide receivers. There you go. So going team by team and seeing exactly what it is that you want to do. Maybe since you're making, you go to it, you go to a team and you go, you're making these three plus one stacks that could include a running back. But in certain cases, maybe you don't want the running back as the run back. Okay, so let's go to a game. Uh, let's see. 
what game would that kind of apply to? A little bit more than than else. Uh, maybe maybe Jackson. Okay, we're gonna go. We'll go to Jacksonville just as an example. Right. So here's Tennessee Jacksonville. I got Brown. I got Henry Brown, Ferkser, and Reynolds in my pool for Tennessee. And I got Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, James Robinson, and Dan Arnold. I've already set up a group that splits Henry and Robinson. They can't both appear together in the same lineup. But let's say in your in your Trevor Lawrence stacks, you'd rather have A.J. Brown and not Derrick Henry. Right? You want the game to be all decided in the air. Or in your Tannehill stacks, you don't want to have James Robinson. Right? You don't want it to be Tannehill plus Brown plus Ferkser plus James Robinson, right? You don't want the run running back there. Now, obviously you could go into your stack section and, you know, change this, the running back wide receiver tight end run back as just the wide receiver tight end run back. But then that would have to apply to all the teams that you have in here. So you'd have to make a separate like game stack section for that. Me, I'd rather just say, here's my three plus one quarterback plus two wide receiver or tight ends. And then on the opposite team, use any player, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And then if I don't want that running back in there, I'll just set a group for that specific team. So I don't have to make another primary game stack section for just one team. And then set a percentage to that and hope it comes in correctly. So let's say in that example, let's say use the James Robinson example. Like if I'm stacking Tannehill and AJ Brown, if I'm stacking Tannehill, I don't want the run back to be James Robinson. I just want it to be one of the, the Jacksonville players. It could even be Dan Arnold. I don't even care. Just not James Robinson. Now, that's not a group that I made, but it, it's a reasonable enough. If you're thinking, you're like, okay, James Robinson has a big game. You know, it's like most likely the, the Tennessee passing game wasn't really getting there, right? It's a little, little negatively correlated. Doesn't mean you have to avoid it, but maybe you decide you want to. So it's very easy. You go in, you go, if Tannehill is in the lineup, you put James Robinson in the group and you set it to zero, zero, right? So when Tannehill's in the lineup, use exactly zero of James Robinson, which will now force the optimizer when it's making three plus ones, when it's making the bring back in the two plus ones and three plus ones to have to use Chenault, have to use uh, Marvin Jones, have to use Dan Arnold. Let's say you don't even want, I don't want Dan Arnold as the one back. Well, then put him in also. So there you go. If Ryan Tannehill's in the lineup, use exactly zero of Robinson and Arnold. Which means, obviously, since you have uh, Chenault and Jones in your pool, those are to be the people that'll be stuck in those lineups. And if you want to do it the other way as well, you're like, okay, if I have Trevor Lawrence in my lineup, don't use Derrick Henry. Zero, zero on Derrick Henry. So there you go. There's a group. It'll, it'll basically tell force it when in the lineups where you're requiring a run back to use whoever other Tennessee players are in your pool. So that would be, in my pool, would be... Uh, the, A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, or Anthony Ferguson. 
Maybe you said you want to make sure that A.J. Brown is the run back in all of them. Okay, then we'll add Ferkser and fine. So to do that, so add Ferkser and Reynolds in there. Once you add all these three Tennessee Titans in the Trevor Lawrence lineup, now A.J. Brown is going to be forced into all of your Trevor Lawrence lineups that have a run back. That's if you wanted to make those types of lineups. These you're making it a you're making it even more constrictive. I play I play 220 lineups, so some of these lineups do have those things. But this is how you would use groups in lineup HQ. And you can see here, I don't have that many groups, right? Right. I if Tannehill is my conditional player, make sure that AJ Brown is one is, in any stack. AJ Brown is one of the guys. I don't want Ryan Tannehill plus Josh Reynolds. I don't want Ryan Tannehill plus Anthony Ferkser. I don't want Ryan Tannehill plus Ferkser and Reynolds, right? So in any double stack or single stack, A.J. Brown plus, then I don't mind plus Reynolds or Ferkser, right, as the second guy in the stack. And I also don't mind Reynolds or Ferkser as one-offs and secondary correlations, wherever. That could be whatever. So that's why I go team by team and go, what, what, what do I want? Right, I go through here, go through here. If Justin Herbert, give me Keenan Allen because I had him in my pool. If Sam Darnold used one of two of Warren Anderson, I don't even think I needed that. I think I originally may have had Ian Thomas in my pool and I took him out. So I didn't even need this group. Right, don't play Josh Jacobs and Damian Williams together. Two running backs from the opposite sides of the game. If Taylor Heineke is my quarterback, Terry McLaurin has to be in. So I don't get Taylor Heineke plus Curtis Samuel or Taylor Heineke plus Ricky Seals-Jones as a single stack. It's not that complicated. I mean, that's why I went, oh, how long does it take you to make groups? Five minutes? I mean, how, how long should it take? Dude, I was making the, I made these groups, I mean, on Sunday morning, like 10 o'clock in the morning. It took me, what, five minutes, 10 minutes? I didn't have to make extra groups. I mean, the only extra group I had to make was don't play Madison and Swift together when Madison was, was ruled, you know, in and Cook was inactive. And I'm not saying you can't even do that. Swift is the type of player that doesn't matter. The, the other side of the running back, Chase Edmonds, those types of guys. You can play two running backs. You can play running backs opposite each other. A lot of times, it, it, most, if, if overall, if we looked and we didn't care about what the type of running back is, they would be negatively correlated. So overall, the running back position on opposite sides are negatively correlated to each other for ceiling. But that doesn't take into account how the specific players get to their ceiling. Someone like Swift gets to their ceiling by catching nine balls out of the backfield, right? So if you're catching nine balls out of the backfield, you know it's possible that the running back on the other side has rushed for 200 yards, that team's up by three touchdowns, and the other running back is just catching five-yard passes you know, in the, in the third and fourth quarter, right? So you could, you could do that. By default, I just don't play two run. I just, my overall strategy, just like I just never play running opposite running backs together. I just don't have to worry about it. That ends up working out. So be it. It just in the long run, if I don't even have to think about it, it makes it easier. But they, yeah, there are specific cases where you, know, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it in general. Just I'm saying it's negatively correlated overall. Okay, so Doug Montgomery says that it helps. Okay, the order is what I was getting hung up on. It took took him way too long. The order, I mean, you don't have to use ordered group. You don't have to use any type of order. 
But I think it helps to go go team by team rather than player by player. They're going through, oh, I'm going to go through uh, the running backs and see like, no, I just, I, I condensed my pool. Like the thing is, is like, take a look here at, at the Tennessee Jacksonville game. This is who I have in my pool. If I go to the excluded section, right? Like I don't have my Cole Pruitt. I don't like, look at all the players that are in the pool for Tennessee and Jacksonville that I don't have. Right. So I don't have to, don't have to filter through all this. Well, am I, I'm probably not going to get much Chester Rogers. Like I sort by RGV, which is salary adjusted value plus minus. Like I'm not getting Carrie Blasingame. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to get any of these players in any builds at this poor projection. Jerry McNichols at 5K. So since I'm not going to get any, I just, I just exclude them. They're not going to end up in my lineups. But then I don't have to go through and go make sure, like maybe I end up with one Jacob Hollister lineup. Why do I need him in my pool? Why do I like like once it gets so low, like maybe, maybe I could have Austin and Rogers in my pool. If I was playing a lot of this game. Maybe I decide to add a Chester Rogers or an Austin in my pool. And if he shows up in one lineup, so be it. But then I don't want to have to deal with doing more groups, right? To go make sure that I don't have Taven Austin as my only, like, I don't, like they project so poorly in, in relative to the rest, the rest of the players in the pool. I just X them out. I don't mind. I mean, if we take a look at all the players that I X'd out, right? Melvin Gordon, Odell Beckham Jr., Tavon Austin, Eli Mitchell, Alan Lazard, Mike Williams. Uh-oh, <laughs> didn't have any Mike Williams. But it's all players that just, they did not project well in relative to their salary from a median perspective. If I was playing more of the Chargers, I would have had Mike Williams in there, even with you know a fairly poor projection for 7,200. If I was playing more of the Cleveland Chargers game, Right. I didn't mind having Josh Reynolds in there. Josh Reynolds actually didn't project as badly as these guys. Right. He's going about Josh Reynolds. Like if we go to Tennessee, like the lowest here is there. Like Josh Reynolds, like minus 107, right? You know, not bad. But I was I was playing a bunch of that game. I was playing both quarterbacks and secondary correlations and everything. So it's like, okay, here's a cheap, and they're cheap, right? The cheap guys. 3,300, you throw him. I had I had Albert Wilson in my pool. I should have had Preston Williams instead, but Albert Wilson projected better to take advantage of Devontae Parker being out. So it's like, well, I have Waddle. I have Gazeki. But I'm playing a lot of that game. That was like one of my highest exposed games. So if we go to the Tampa Bay-Miami game, like I had some Albert Wilson, even though he didn't project as well as some of the other guys. He's a cheap guy. I want Waddle and Gazicki, but I'm playing so much of this game that like I'm playing a multiple lineups that I'm, yeah, I have Waddle in 20% of my lineups. I have Gazicki in 20% of my lineups. So if I, if I have Albert Wilson in 4% and he came in at 0.5% owned, of course he didn't, he didn't even get a target, right? It should have been Preston Williams was the guy I should have had, even though he only had 10 points. So like the more I'm playing of a game, the more likely I'm going to go further down the, the rabbit hole and grab players from. Games that I'm not playing much of, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just focus on the main guys that project well. And if they, sh- whatever lineups they show up in, they show up. 
If I go to my lineups right here, uh, you can see here, like Madison, 60%, and then like everything's capped at like 20, 20, 20. I look at my quarterbacks, right? I look, Brady, Jones, Prescott, Brissett. So like Brady, 14%, Brissett, 10%. A quarter of my lineups had that group, which means I need to, I, I obviously have a lot of Godwin. I have a lot of, a lot of Brown. I have a lot of Waddle. I have a lot of Gazicki. A lot of now. If I want any more diversification, I have to add more players from that game into my player pool, unless I just want more of them. So you can see here, like Jones Prescott. I have twenty five percent of my lineups are a game stack of that game. So Galladay, Engram, Tony, uh, Lamb, Cooper. I have Elliott. I have Barkley. I have Schultz. I, I mean, like. There's so many combinations. So it's like, okay, I'm making, I'm making as many of those combinations as I can. So you can see here, you know, this is, but this is how you know how much of a game that you have, which means if you go to like the wide receivers, like obviously I'm going to have a lot of Antonio Brown. I mean, like, like you can't say, well, I only want 10% of Brown, 10% of Godwin, 10% of Evans. It's like, dude, you're playing that in a quarter of your lineups. You're going to need, it's going to force in a lot more. I mean, like, like, you, that's not mathematically possible, right? I'm going to have a lot of Kenny Galladay. Why? Because I'm, I have tons of Prescott and tons of Jones. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable. If you want to have more Tony than Galladay, they still have to equal the same amount of lineups. That's why adding more players to your pool from those games, it, unless, unless if you wanted 40% Galladay in those lineups, that's perfectly fine also. If you want more diversification, you start adding, if you want John Ross in two of the lineups, so you have to add him to the pool. So the more and more lineups that I'm playing from a specific game, the more likely I add more players from that game into my pool. The less lineups that I'm playing, like, like uh, well, what's a game? Like, uh, what's a game I barely played? Like Denver-Pittsburgh? Something like that. Like, do I feel the need to have I mean, what do I feel the need to have in that game? I have Deontay Johnson. I have not Najee Harris. I have I have Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick. I don't have any stacks. Like I'm not I'm not adding third receivers in this game. I mean, I'm looking at uh, you know I I I barely had uh, you know I didn't have any Hurts. So do I need Rager? Do I need Kez Watkins? No, I don't need those guys. Or the Minnesota uh, where we go the Minnesota Detroit game. Other than Swift, I had no one else on the lines. Because I, was, I, I wasn't playing Kirk Cousins. I wasn't playing Jared Goff. I was playing Madison. I had Madison, Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne in my pool. And I just Swift on the Detroit side. I didn't have Cephas or Raymond. But if I was playing a lot of this game, if I was playing Cousins stacks, I would have included some Detroit, you know, Amra, Amon, Ross, St. Brown. Does it mean I have a million percent of him? No, it's like maybe I end, he ends up in two lineups. And at least it gives me the option of having him because I, I am stacking that game. I don't want to have a bunch of a game and it, has, and it go off and then I just don't have the right guys, right? If I'm already choosing that. Like, I don't mind. Like the, the thing about the, the, the Chargers-Browns game that put up 89 points, I did have a bunch, I did have some Herbert but it was mostly Herbert Allen Cook. And I didn't have really no Browns players. So they were all like naked. They were no not naked quarterback, but just not, no run back. 
because the Browns just didn't project well. So I had no Chubb, I had no Hunt, no Njoku, definitely. So I didn't have much of that game. So I don't feel the need to add, uh, do I need Jalen Guyton in my pool? No, I don't. I'm not barely playing that game. But if I was playing a lot of that game, let's say oh, I'm playing that in 25% of my lineups and you don't have at least a lineup with David and Joku in it, then you, I think you screwed up. You're playing more of that. You, yeah, yeah, then you should. Maybe you do have Jalen Guyton in your pool. Maybe he ends up showing up in no lineups. But at least he's going to be in my pool. At least I, I, he's available to show up if it makes sense in the specific lineups that he's in. Now, is this something that you have to adhere to? No. You can feel free to go all in and make the same types of game stacks over and over and over again and switch out all the other guys. You can do that. So this is not a matter of strategy. It's a matter of diversification. Like I added Josh Reynolds to my Titans. Stuff. Like if you didn't want to do that and just, I'm going 40% AJ Brown and all of them. I'm not even having, per, I'm, that's fine. You're just living and dying more on, on, that, on that result. But the lineups that come out, you can take a look here at just the range. Like what, what am I looking at? Like, here's my top lineup out of the 220. 147.26 projection at a total ownership of 104. Okay? So in run in me running lineups, this is before I did this. I mean, obviously, this is an iteration. This is like, you know, the 20th time this has come out. But I was finding that I was getting good lineups around 147 and about 100 to 105 total ownership. Okay, so that's the range I was looking for. So can I get up to 147, around 147 for about 100 to 105% ownership? So that's if we take a look, if we scroll down, 147 at 103, 147 at 98, much better line. This is a Brady stack. 146 at 101, 146 at 99, 146 at 102. 146 at 102, 145.9 at 104, 145 at 104, 145 at 104, 145 at 97, 145 at 97, 145 at 93, 144 at 104, 144 at 94, right? Now, if I were to make like 300 lineups, maybe I end up getting rid of some of these. They're still fine. It's just like I'm playing here. This is the lineup that's 140. If we take a look at the difference between these two lineups, it's like, well, if I don't want to play like Chase Edmonds and play someone else, like this would make the lineup better, but it just means I just means I'm playing more of the chalk, right? These numbers are more for diversification than like, like, oh, I have to get rid of this specific lineup. Yeah, this specific lineup is a worse lineup than the one above it, right? If we compare these two lineups, 145.21 at 93% ownership. 144.83 at 104% ownership. So the difference in 10 or 11 ownership points. But if I get rid of this lineup, that means I'm like, I'm not going to have any Chase Edmonds in, in my player. Like the reason why that this is because I need to make up the projection for Chase Edmonds not being as highly projected. This lineup is still plus EV. It's just that this top one is better plus EV, higher EV. But for the sake of diversification, I'm going to be sacrificing some EV for the sake of, you know, not going broke in one slate, right? I mean, like that type of thing. 
to having a more diversified player. But I'm looking for this range, right? Somewhere around here. And as I go down, like we scroll down further, right? Scroll down kind of towards the bottom. 137, 103, 137, 101, 137, 100, 137, 86, 137, 93. We go up to sort by ownership, low to high. <clears throat> Some of these are low, right? 135 at 66. Like this is a, this is a contrarian line. High variance though. These are contrarian lineups. 128 at 66, 126 at 66, 129 at 68. Projection-wise, these are bad lineups. I mean, they project like 15, 16, 20 points lower than the other lineups that are like 100% total ownership. But it doesn't mean they're not profitable. It just means they're they're very high They're they have a very high standard deviation because of the ownership is being lower. 131 at 70. 130 at 72. I mean, this is a lineup. That's Dak Prescott, Schultz, Lamb with uh, no run back. DJ Moore, Randall Cobb, Devonta Smith, Josh Jacobs, and Joe Mixon. From an ownership perspective, it's, re- it's low. Standard deviation is much higher. The range of outcomes is going to be much wider. If I were to play 200 lineups of these types of lineups, it's liable that I could, I I mean, these are the types of lineups that, you know, win a lot or lose lose a lot. How many of those types of lineups do I want to play? That's a matter of diversification. It's not a matter of strategy. I can choose to not play any of these types of lineups and say, I don't want any lineups that are lower than 80% total owned. I don't want any lineups lower than 90% total. I just want to get in between that 90 to 105 range for this specific slate. You could do that. But it also means that some of these low owned things are not, I'm not going to have any Tim Patrick anymore, right? I'm not going to have any Allen Robinson, right? He may end up, yeah, Allen Robinson showed up in four lines at a 200 point. I wouldn't have some of these guys, which is fine. Just you're not as diversified. So I'm so in 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 theory, what we're talking about here is not strategy. We're talking here about diversification. You can make tens of thousands of plus EV lineups on the slate. Tens of thousands, hundred thousand plus EV lineups. They all have different standard deviations, but they're all plus EV. We ran this out a million times, the lineup would be profitable in the slant, right? In whatever contest you're in. The question is, okay, well, if you have, if, you, if there's, if there's 20,000 lineups that are about equal to each other, well, which 150 do you play? The mathematical answer would be, it doesn't matter. From a, a long run perspective, it wouldn't matter. If you want to play 150 of this, pretty much the same game stack and a 1v1 change, and that's all encompassed into plus EV lineups, you could do that. Just your swings are going to be all over the place doing that. So given the choice between 5,000, 10,000 lineups that are all about equal to each other, and I have to choose 150 of them, I'm going to be that I'm going to be more diverse. Mathematically, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, it, close your eyes, play whatever you want. 
once you get to that point. But the thing is, is that just because the EV of two lineups are the same doesn't mean their standard deviation is the same. So yes, I could play 150 lineups that are all in this high, high variance range. 60, 65% total owned, uh, 130 projected, and just hope for the best. <laughs> like, I, you could. Or you could do the opposite and say, I'm going to just play all the lineups that are like around 105, 110, that project for 145 to 147. Those lineups are much more chalkier, which means you're going to cash more of them, but you're going to have less, the outlaw, you're not, you're not going to have any Jacoby Brissett stacks. You're not going to have any Davis Mills. I didn't have any Davis Mills, but you're not going to have any of that. Any of the, you know, those wacky outlier type of lineups. So if any wacky outlier type of thing happens, you, you, you're, you've locked yourself out to that. You're not playing any of those high standard deviation lineups, which is fine. Mathematically, you're 150 set. And so on. if I play all the high variance, 60% owned total ownership lineups, and you play the 150, 110% owned lineups, and we played it out a million times, you know who's ahead after a million times? Neither of us. We're about equal. But your road, playing 110%, you know, the chalkier end of that tournament GPP spectrum with similar EVs, like your road is much smoother. You know, you may not win first that often, but you may come in eighth a lot. You may come in, you know, you may come in the top, 15% way, way more up. And you know, you're, you're up there. So you, at the end, you have X amount of dollars and it's profitable. Now me, for instance, or the, the second person, I'm going to play all the high standard deviation lines, right? The really high ones, 150 of them. Well, at the end, we're going to both have the same money, right? After a million years, million slates, both having the same money, but my slates are going to look like this. Here's a slate, and I lose all my money. <laughs> like, all 150 don't even cash. They're at the bottom. Next slate, oh, I cashed like 10 of, a, 10, 10 of them. One of them came in like 12th place, and like 142, like, bombed. They're, they're at the bottom, right? Then the next slate, maybe I win. I would literally win first place, right? And then the next 17 slates, practically bump. Like, it's going to be just like, that's what that's. I mean, that's what variance is. That's, that's what a high standard deviation is. These lines, these are all over the place, right? Now, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, if, we, if you were able to play it out uh, over 100 lifetimes, both those 150 sets would be the same amount of money. Would, would be the same expected value, similar, similar profitability. But the roads to getting there is all over the place, right? Differences. So mathematically, what's the difference between the 150 set, this 150 set and this 150 set? Nothing, right? So let's say you had 300 lineups. So we took these two 150s. We took the chalkier versions, not the, these aren't cash lineups. They're still GPP lineups. They still have win equity. And we take these high variance tournament lineups and we put it together for 300. Well, if you, if you want to mitigate these swings, right? And give up some win equity in order to mitigate the swings, even though you're going to end up with the same amount of money at the end. Maybe you take 75 lineups from one and 75 lineups from the other. So you lower your variance. You lower your swings. Is that the correct? Now I'm going to ask, is that the correct thing to do? 
No. Is that the right? Is that the incorrect thing to do? No. It's neither correct nor incorrect because mathematically, all 300 lineups are equal. Right. They're equal to each other from an expected value standpoint. So it doesn't matter which, what 150, you have to play one of the 300. Which ones do you play? Play any one. If, if I'm telling you that they're equal to each other, it wouldn't matter. Pick whichever ones you want. If you want to play 20 of them, pick whatever 20 you want. Now, they could be, 20 of them could all have Alexander Madison. Okay. 18 could have Alexander Madison and two don't have Alexander Madison. That's fine. Also, like whatever 20 you pick don't matter. You've already gotten to the point where you're spitting out plus EV lineups that are about similar, similar EV to each other. You could probably spit out hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands. Now it's just a matter of which ones do you play? Mathematically, it doesn't matter. Some, some people, random, just, just close your eyes and randomly pick 150. Whatever it comes out, it comes out. Some people go, well, I want to have, I want to, I want to uh, settle on my portfolio and do it something manually. It's the, sa- it's the same thing in the stock market, right? Do you want to have, do you want to have 68 stocks or do you want to have four stocks? It, it, if the performance ends up equaling out at the end, it doesn't matter how many stocks you have, but some people are like, well, I, I want to mitigate my risk here. I want to mitigate my risk there. I want to increase my risk there. You get to choose, right? You have out of these 300 lineups and you have, you, you, I'm, you have to play five. Do you want to play all five of them that is in this set as Dak Prescott stacks? Well, you could, if you, you don't mind having that risk of like, okay, I'm, for this, for this slate, I'm just going to, I'm going to bet on that game and have five different combinations of that. You could be the type of person that's like, well, I'm going to have one Dak. I'm going to have one Brady. I'm going to have one Herbert. I'm going to have one Jacoby Brissett. I'm going to have one Mac Jones. You could do it that way. Which one is the correct way? Neither is the correct way, right? Now, all we're talking about is diversification. When we're talking about diversification, we're talking about this is, this is a bankroll management. This is a risk tolerance thing. This is not a strategic thing. Once you get down to lineups that are plus EV, now, if you're building lineups, if we take a look at the, these fantasy points here, like here's a total projection of 147 and ownership of 104. If you're building lineups that have a 145 projection and are higher, are 120% owned, like those lineups are, are probably not, those, pro, those are not profitable lineups, right? They have a high, they have a, high, they have a, a lower projection and we look how many lineups you can make that have a higher projection and lower ownership. So once you start finding those lineups, like you can build hundreds of them, hundreds upon hundreds. I can take out the Raiders right here and put in another defense and it's pretty much the same line, right? So how many defenses are there around the 2,900 range? So this version of this lineup, you could make like five different times if you wanted to and just change the defense, right? So your diversification is really narrow, but technically the EV of the lineups are equal to each, are about equal to each other. So you just close your eyes and it didn't see what was in the lineup. Like all you'd see is an EV number. This lineup is worth is a dollar eighteen, right? Here's another lineup that's a dollar eighteen. Imagine if you just didn't know any of this. And I just showed you three hundred lineups, right? One hundred fifty each, and they all said oh, these lineups are worth a dollar eighteen, which is eighteen cents on the dollar of every entry dollar amount that you put in. 
as an as an EV number. Well, if I don't tell you who's in the lineup, you just thought, just give me, give me 20 of them. <laughs> like, like it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Now, once you see what's in it, you can go, well, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The same way, just like you do in a stock portfolio. Like you could, you could buy WTI, which is the world uh, total stock index. And you have that, you literally have everything. You have the entire, you pretty much have the entire stock. It mimics the entire world market. You never have to buy any other stock ever again pretty much. If you want the pure diversification in one uh, exchange-traded fund, that's what you do. But some people like, well, I want more in the financial sector. Well, I want more in the industrials. I want more in the, okay, then feel free to split that up if you want, right? At the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of these stocks are correlated to each other. A lot of times it's, you, think, you think that you're diversifying more or controlling your, you know, the percentages a lot of times these these stocks all trade in the same direction, right? You'll find okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick twenty stocks, and then you pick the twenty stocks, and then you find out okay, at the end of the annualized seven point eight percent return, and then you look at the S and P five hundred, and it's an eight point two percent return. And you go, well, why don't they just put why don't they just put all the money in the S and P? And like they all trade kind of correlatively. So it's very similar to this. Of if you're gonna if you're gonna play lineups that are similar to each other, like like mathematically you can, but why why not get diversification when it costs you nothing to do so? So that's what I do. Okay, anything else in the chat before I get out of here? Uh, swim butts, swim butts. Do you set up groups to make sure that your DSTs aren't paired up with the quarterback or wide receiver from the same team, or is there a quicker way to do it? I don't. DSTs just fit into whatever lineups they fit into. DST scoring is just whatever. I mean, would I rather it not be with my quarterback? Yeah, but but that's that works out also. I mean, DSTs are so variant and uncorrelated to ownership that I basically, I mean, if you take a look at my DST, I like I set I pretty much set it at 10%. And then whatever shows up, shows up. Right, I end up narrowing it down eventually. Raiders nine, ten, Vikings nine, eight for the text. I mean, it's just whatever fits in there. I'm typically lower on the on the chalkier defenses. I only had two percent of the Washington defense. I had five percent of the Eagles defense, like the the chalkier defenses. But whatever fits fits. I don't think, and it, dude, it's not to me. It's not even worth thinking about. Oh, do I go in and I make sure that I don't have quarterback wide receiver? But like, dude, especially this past slate, dude, the highest defense scored 13 points, the Titans. The Eagles scored 12. Like, you could have won with any defense yesterday, any defense that scored some amount of points. <clears throat> Probably not with like the Chargers, nine, negative three. Probably couldn't with that. But as long as you got five points out of your defense, you, you could have won with, with pretty much anything. And you're going to see that most weeks. And on weeks where there's this outlier defense that scores 24 points, like this, who's going to know what's going to, who knows? Who, that, what, why even think about it? So that I don't even bother thinking about it. But yes, I guess you can make those groups if you want. If you want to make groups so you, you don't have your DSDs paired up with the quarterback or wide receiver, you could go through, you could go into the groups and put the conditional player as the defense, Right. You put the conditional player as the Panthers. And in the group, you put 
Darnold, Moore, Anderson, Arnold. No, Arnold's not on the Panthers. Put that in, and he put zero zero, and then you go to the next team. But now, you, now you're making you're making pretty much you're making like you're making twenty five groups, you know, whatever amount of groups for that. You could. I'm not poo pooing the idea. I think that's perfectly fine if that's what you want to do. That's fine. The same thing with the two running backs from the same team. Like I do that by default, so I don't have to think about. It. Even though in some cases, yes, two running backs do work together from opposite sides of the game. I choose to do it. You can choose not to do it. Okay. Same thing with the DST. You want to go through and make all those DST groups? Be my guest. I, I think it's absolutely viable. Is it necessary? No. So I don't do it. Is it necessary for the two running backs to be opposed for me? It's not, that's not necessary either. I, and I choose to do that. So maybe you don't mind having two running backs from the same game together. And I don't mind having a DST with the quarterback and the wide receivers. These are very minimal, like correlative things that I don't think in the long run, it kills you either way, if you do or you don't do. So if you choose to do it, oh, okay, that's fine. Perfectly fine. You know what you should choose to do? Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Obviously, I talk a lot about this in the theory of DFS masterclass. You get a theory of DFS.com. I had to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. It applies to all sports. So if you're going to play NBA coming up, it applies to that. It applies to everything game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, and psychology. 15 hours in total. It's like a seminar. It's like you went to like, like a, a Ramada Inn hotel and, you know, the PowerPoints and whatever. And here's your seminar about how to play DFS. Uh, like a professional, this is this this is how top players play, right? They use these types of concepts, game theory driven, right? So it applies to all the sports. Pick it up. Theoryofdfs.com. Programming note: No show tomorrow. No show Thursday. I'll be back Friday, okay? Because the, the, what else is going? There's nothing going on. There's not NBA. Will be back next week. Then we then we can start talking about NBA in the middle of the week in between the NFL slates. So, so since there's not much to talk about, there's no show tomorrow. Okay. So don't show up tomorrow. You won't, you won't see a thumbnail. You won't see a, a live stream thing on YouTube. You won't see it. So you, you really can't show up, but if you're wondering why it's not there, it's because no show tomorrow, no show Thursday. And I'll be back on Friday uh, to, 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 we'll talk about the week six. NFL DFS slate and answer your DFS strategy questions. As I always do here, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.